So today we're going to be talking about tools and techniques of web development. Um, this is our live stream topic that we're going to be talking about today. Uh, not just web development, but also programming as well in general. Um, first of all, I would like to say thank you ever so much for the subscribers, the recent subscribers that have come on board, not just to the YouTube channel, but also to Twitter, Facebook, um, and all the other places as well. Thank you very much. Uh, for for watching and subscribing. I'm glad you're finding these videos and the tutorials that I do helpful. Uh, to all the new subscribers, my name is Peter Fisher. I'm a freelance web and mobile applications developer. I've been one for several years. Uh, and what I usually do on this channel is on the Tuesday, I have a tutorial and we've been working on a Python tutorial uh, series or course, shall I say, um, that goes out on Tuesdays. On the Wednesdays, we have a live stream like this, uh, where I discuss a particular topic uh, in to do with programming or web development. And of course, on the Fridays, we have a pre-recorded show. Uh, last week, we did one on the, uh, the, the controversies in the Linux community at the moment. So um, do do uh, follow along. If you haven't subscribed already, do consider subscribing because I talk about a lot of stuff to do with how one can improve as a web developer or as a programmer, um, generally speaking. Um, today, we're going to be talking about tools and techniques. And as a freelancer, there's been all sorts of tools and techniques that I've used over the years. Um, I should say that this week we've I've been doing uh, all sorts of all sorts of uh, work towards a deployment of certain projects, and so there has been a level of um, tool tooling that I've had to get to grips with because some of the tooling wasn't uh, what I had expected or used previously. So there is there is a little bit of uh, learning that has happened this week. There's also been an awful lot of meetings as well, and you just have to roll with it. You know, as a freelancer, you, you just sort of work at the beat of their drum, um, in the sense of when they want to have meetings, uh, around these sort of deployment times, uh, which is, which is perfectly fine as long as, as long as you can fit it in yourself. Um, so there's been a lot, a lot of talk. I would probably say there's been more talk than there has been coding. Although one thing I would, uh, say is that, it's good to talk and plan about the deployment and talk about the techniques and to talk about the tooling of that uh, before you go ahead and just jump in and, 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 and do stuff. I mentioned in the previous two live streams, we had clean coding and we had, um, uh, I can't remember, can't remember what, what last week's was. It was clean coding. That was the first one. And then, and then after that, um, uh, we were we were talking about how uh, one can just just generally improve, um, and there was there was there's, there there has been sort of a series going on in the back of my head where we are talking about how how one could become a better developer, and this topic of tooling and techniques is actually quite. Um, quite a fundamental topic. It's quite a big topic to talk about. Um, so we're going to be sort of 
deep diving into this uh, a little this uh, this in this live stream. Um, I've been also doing stuff with uh, with coding, although it's been sort of more wash up type stuff. Um, so lots of uh, sort of fixing of issues that had been there for a very long time in certain projects. Um, which which has been great, but like I said, planning is something that is the thing that that has really happened today uh, or this week. It's been sort of planning for the code to come, and we do a lot of planning as developers. Often we think that we we just program, but in fact we we plan and we strategize and we. Uh, consider all the possibilities and we read code more than we write code and we we try and be in a position where one can um, when they get to the writing of code and building and developing the thing you already know what it is that you're developing you've already thought through the processes what could possibly go wrong that kind of thing um, so um, and I would, and, and I think that's a great thing because you end, what you end up doing is, is it, it, it kind of, it does, I, I'm not going to say it works first time, but it, you're comfortable with the solution that you've come up with. You're not just sort of hunting around for the solution that you've, you know, you're not just sort of just diving in and, 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 and writing code here and there. You're actually thinking about it. But so that's basically what I've been doing this week. I've been planning, I've been creating diagrams, I've been uh, talking about how one could go forward uh, with certain projects, and, uh, and and it's been interesting. It's actually quite exciting because you you end up as a programmer getting really excited about the things that you're going to do because you've already talked about it and you've discussed it and you've you've gone down different avenues. There was a lot of whiteboarding that kind of thing, which was which I find uh, fantastic and interesting. But yes, um, tooling. What is tooling? What is techniques when it comes to web development, when it comes to programming? What are the differences? Um, because often uh, new developers coming on, they, they will be, they will approach the, the, whatever they're trying to build with the mind of trying to find the best tool for the job, which is perfect, right? That's, that's the way you need to think about it. But a lot of people will will get so hung up on the tooling that they are using instead of considering the techniques that are used. So I put a tweet out um, this week, and it was a, a sort of a sort of a mysterious tweet, I suppose you could say, where it was comparing a hammer and a screwdriver. So I said something along the lines of. Um, both a hammer and a screwdriver can do the same job in the sense that you can hammer in, uh, you can bash in a nail using the, the butt of the screwdriver, um, and you can screw in a bolt using the claw of the, of the hammer, using the corner of the claw of the hammer. You can screw bolts in like that. So they can, they both, both of those tools can do the same thing. However, one wouldn't dream of turning a bolt using a screwdriver, uh, using a, a hammer, sorry, nor would one consider to bash in a, a nail using, using a, a butt of a screwdriver. I mean, I think we probably, most of us have had that sort of 
thing where they've had to put in a nail into the wall or something like a picture nail and they haven't had something at hand to bash in. So you, you use either your thumb or whatever, but the, it's the act of doing that. That is the technique, the technique of, of turning a bolt. That is the thing that you can use in all of those tools. The, the technique of bashing in a nail as well of, 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 that putting in that force, that is the technique. The tooling comes later because you, if you don't have a screwdriver, if you don't have a hammer at hand, then you will come up with a solution to do that. But the technique stays the same. So the, the problem people get into, I see, is that people think about the tooling instead of the techniques. They, they consider what tools they ought to be using rather than the, the, how that tool should be uh, used in the environment that, is, that they've been given. And a lot of people get hung up on the tooling and a lot of people get, um, they get shunned because they're using tooling that perhaps isn't the right tooling for the job. Uh, but perhaps they have to use that level of tooling. But anyway, what am I talking about in terms of tooling? I'm talking more to do with uh, the libraries that we use. I'm talking about the languages that we use. I'm talking about the frameworks that we use. You can do all sorts of stuff or you can use all sorts of stuff to create the same website. You know, it could be WordPress. It could be um, Concrete 5. It could be completely bespoke. The tooling that you use to do that will alter how rapid you build that, how flexible it is, sure. But the technique is still building upon, you know, building a website um, using, say, uh, certain methodologies, certain deployment techniques, that kind of thing. Um, and as a freelancer, nobody, like none of my clients necessarily care too much about the tooling. They don't care if it's, if it's in WordPress or if it's in Concrete 5, as long as they can adapt their techniques of updating the website to whatever tooling is used. So that's kind of what I'm trying to get at is the distinction between both tooling and techniques. Now you can get quite abstract in this because a, 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 a let, let's, let's focus on the tooling first. You can get quite abstract there because you can say, well, the tooling that I'm using is the IDE in which I'm coding my, my project. But it's, that ID does not have any impact to whatever it is which is finally being deployed. You could be in an office where you have um, five, six, seven, however many developers all developing on different IDEs, um, but producing or, you know, altering the same project. So they could have different tools that they are familiar with, um, all producing or, or changing up the code. Hey, Sabor, I hope you're well. Um, I'm, I'm doing fine. I'm okay. Thank you very much for asking. So the, um, the tooling is, 
it's 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 kind of like um with in terms of the tooling that we use, we 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 obviously use the IDEs. We obviously use the way that we do. Uh, we have tooling for debugging. So whether if you're a front end developer, whether that is tooling of the web development toolbar, again, you the technique of debugging and stepping through and seeing all of the variables and the watch point and the breakpoints and so forth, that is a technique, right? Um, of doing that. But you could use various different tooling to accomplish that. Also, you could, um, in terms of unit testing or testing, the, to the, the actual um, tooling could be, I mean, I use Codeception because I'm a PHP developer. Um, I use perhaps, I've, I've used Mocha and JUnit and, and um, uh, Jasmine and all of that other funky stuff for um, the JavaScript. But the actual method of technique of actually writing a unit test, having something that is expected and, and, and check that. So checking a value against something that is expected, that is the technique of unit testing. So it doesn't matter what kind of um, tooling you're using because you're still going to be writing that, con that, that conditional check uh, regarding, regardless of what tool that you use. Also, um, deployment. So you need to somehow get your code from your local machine over to the production box or the staging box or whatever. And so you might go through a pipeline, a build pipeline, and those that build pipeline may have different tooling to check test the code, uh, do some linting, maybe build the documentation and all of that. But that pipeline is going through a series of deployment techniques that have been tried and tested. So um, with, with the techniques, you can, you can go abstract as well. It's like it's not just, it's not just the techniques of of okay, this needs to be deployed, and therefore it needs to go through a build pipeline. Um, you know, we need to use these kind of techniques to um, control the source to um, the, our, our kind of way of of tagging the the stuff, and then you know, compiling all the bits and bringing in the assets and all of that jazz. Fine, but you can also you can also um, talk about what's what is called universal stuff that is um, stuff that has been written about in terms of how one should, um, should I don't know, how, how one should deal with a certain situation, how one should have um, levels of, of principles, follow standards, that kind of thing. So for example, uh, with programming, you have a series of principles um, that you can or cannot, you might not follow. Um, so here I'm talking about the solid principles. The solid principles, um, they don't require a tool. They are just principles that one should, as a programmer, know. Um, and you could apply those principles to many programming languages that use object orientation. Object orientation is itself a programming technique. It doesn't have any 
dependency on the programming language. Obviously, it needs to be object orientated, but it's not saying that you cannot use this technique with this programming language, nor the the solid principles. If you're if you have an object orientated language, then you can apply those principles to um, to that uh, to whatever it is that you're building, and so. And so one should learn the techniques and then worry about the tools later. They should choose the tooling that will allow them to work with the techniques in the easiest way. And like I said, as a freelancer, I am exposed to both uh, a lot of techniques and a lot of tooling. Um, and I've seen the same techniques um, being used in many different tools. Um, so, so for example, even like pushing to, to a Git repository, um, that is a technique of pushing it to source control. Um, but you could, you, you could, you, you could either use the command line for that, or you could use an ID for that. Um, and again, it's not, it's agnostic to the platform. It could be uh, windows or it could be Linux or it could be Mac, for example. Um, so I've just been asked a question. Uh, Sabor Hassin has said, sorry for disturbing, but t uh, you tell tell me about the Android app register form or web form, any different or not. Um, Android app register form or web form. I'm not entirely sure what you mean by that, Sabor. If you could give me a little bit more um sort of signpost me into whatever it is that you're, you want to get to the, I'm not, a, I'm not a strict Android developer. I said I was a mobile app developer, but what I use for my mobile applications is AppCelerator because that allows me to, um, to uh, cross compile down, um, the, the, the code base using JavaScript. Um, so it's, it's basically like a titanium. So titanium is, is the framework. Um, and I can write code in JavaScript and I can then compile that down to the native iOS and, and Android counterparts. Um, so in terms of the, the web form and the Android app for registration, um, you, you would probably be going through, um, an API to do that. And that API would probably, well, that API would have to adhere to certain standards. So SSL uh, security, it would need to be um, you, probably an OAuth token, that kind of thing. Um, so you get given a token back and maybe even a refresh token. Um, so in terms of the difference between the two, I would probably suggest that the first one is, is, is that it is written in Java because it's an Android app, whereas the web form would be uh, server-based. It could be Java, but it might be something like PHP or it could be Python. Um, but you should think of the Android device as the client and then wherever you're pushing it to is the server. But uh, I kind of I hope that kind of helps in a semi kind of way. Let me just grab some uh, grab some tea. If anyone else has got some questions, then uh, do do um, do let me know, and uh, I, I will try and either get back to the 
get back to you as soon as I can, or I'll, I'll leave it to the end of the show. So tools and techniques are, they are the, 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 the difference between how one does something and how one um, actually does it, right? So, or uses whatever it is that they want to use to go ahead and do something. Um, so a technique of, of, of uh, storing stuff, as I mentioned before, to a, a, a version control system. Again, the tool would be Git, but you could use SVN. You could use um, uh, other source control stuff. The, 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 the technique of actually deploying um, to, uh, to, a, to a system, you, you still need, it does, doesn't matter how you do it, you need to move code from one place to the other and you need to test that and you need to ensure that, that, um, that it works. So you need some form of staging. Again, that's a technique of building a build pipeline. Um, and then you can sort of attach, attach different, uh, different tools to that. Um, Gregor has just said, are you excited about PHP 7.4? I certainly am. And I'll tell you why. Um, there is a, um, a, an RFC and I must say, I haven't checked on it, um, recently, but I did a video about it a few weeks ago. And that is all about typed properties. So if you do check through my channel, you'll see that a few weeks ago, I did a, a talk about um, typed properties that are coming or hopefully will be coming into 7.4. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, going back to tools and techniques for a bit though, um, as a, as, a, as a developer, I do see a lot of people worrying about the tooling that they're using. And they get so lost in this sort of tooling world that they get they get blinkered from the actual techniques that they're trying to achieve. One has to take a step back and go: Is this tool actually doing the job that this technique requires? Because, um, like I said, there there are so many different tools out there that can do the same thing slightly differently or allow you to achieve that technical goal. Um, and it's it's. I often get asked the question of what programming language should I be using for this particular application? Um, and it's not a case of, it's not a case of the, the, what is my favorite programming language? Because I don't have a favorite programming language because I've always chosen the language that is more geared towards the, the needs of the project. Um, I never go into an application thinking that this is the, these, this is the suite of tools that I'm going to use regardless of the application. I think that's a very dangerous thing to do. And a lot of developers do that. Um, and they, they find themselves in this sort horrible sort of, um, crowbarring things in, uh, kind of mentality because their tools simply don't do, um, what they should what they sh what they need to do for whatever it is that they're trying to achieve. Um, now, when I go to buy books off of, uh, maybe I go to a bookshop or maybe I'm on Amazon or what have you, and I'm looking for programming books. If I was, if I was told that only I could, I could only come out of that bookshop, uh, with one book. So I need one, one, one book and I can only have one book. And the, the only choices I have are Node.js, book on Node.js, 
um, or let's say React, right? And a book on domain-driven design. Which one am I going to choose? Well, you know, React is very hot right now. So a lot of people would, would, would tend to go for that. However, in say five years time, which skill set will I be more using? Will I be using the React? In five years time, it might not even be the flavor of the month that it is at the moment. Or would I be, would I be using the knowledge that I've gained through my domain-driven design book about how one should design and architect a system using domains, business domains? It sounds boring, but I would choose a domain-driven design book because I think that is more of a benefit to, to me in the long run. The thing is, with all the, these tooling stuff, the tooling can come out of date. I mean, there's been so many instance, instances that I can think of in my, um, I mean, I, 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 uh, I started coding, well, well, I started coding in the professional sense sort of after, uh, after the 2000s. So, um, or that, I mean, I, I went to college and university in the 2000s anyway, but I was a freelancer then. Um, and there's been so much change in terms of the tooling that we've used, but there, have, there hasn't been much change in the techniques that we're doing, that we're using. So, so when someone says to me, what is the easiest way I can actually grasp this programming stuff? What is the best way I can improve being a programmer? It's not focusing on the tooling because the tooling will come and go. It's the techniques that one needs to learn. It's the how one can can improve themselves in the knowledge of all of the programming paradigms that we have, all the principles that we've got, how one should um, go about the techniques of deployment, the reading books on 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 use cases in terms of what has, went, what went wrong, system design, um, all of that kind of stuff basically learning through the experiences of others through books in what they're trying to do. So for example, one technique that is just tried and true, and I go back to these universal truths, is incremental releases. So if you go in ahead and, and, and go through like a waterfall mentality where you are just doing big bang releases all the time, then you are going to cause yourself a massive headache when it comes to, you know, suddenly shifting, lifting and shifting a whole lot of code from one place to another place that hasn't been tested in the user's domain. You might have tested it fine, but because you're just changing so much stuff um, that the user is going to get alienated, the user is going to get confused. Now, this incremental stuff might sound common sense to, to a lot of you, um, but it is a, a technique of how one should be developing and deploying code. And then what you start, your, your headspace then becomes, well, we're going to release um, often and we're going to release very small amounts of code. And therefore you get the continual um, integration where you're using certain tools that might listen to your source control and depending on which branch that you're, you're, you want to release into, maybe it watches for commits into that 
and then it deploys the code automatically. Before that, it could be doing a whole bunch of tests. It could be building the documentation. That is just a technique of rollout. Um, and so you need to get to you as a as a developer, one needs to appreciate all of these techniques, all of the different ways that one um, has to think about through the development lifecycle of a project. What is the technique of estimating? What is the technique of um, of reading code? What is the technique of creating comments? What is the technique of um, of architecting a system that suits a series of, of, of requirements and how should one use a technique to ensure that those requirements are acceptable. Um, I've not talked at all about the tools there. I've just talked about the development lifecycle. So, and, and having an appreciation of that really does benefit you as a developer. Um, I remember when I first released my first project, uh, and, and it, everything I was doing was just completely, completely new. But the more I did it, the more knowledge and experience that I took with me. And that, that, that is the whole point. Um, you, you know, a tool could die, um, could, could, could just not be supported anymore. Uh, and therefore you're not going to be using that tooling ever again. But the techniques that you learn that you will always be able to bring forward because they are universally true, or some of them are, uni are universal truths. Um, so when I was at university, there was, I mean, the first thing, well, one of the first things that my lecturer mentioned uh, was that the stuff that you learn in your first year uh, will be out of date by the fourth year. And he made a, a you know, a, a sort of a, a um, a funny comment saying that, you know, it, it's because of the hardware changes often, but in actual fact, it's because the software changes and especially in the JavaScript world where things change quite rapidly, you know, uh, I, I have projects that run various different libraries at various different um, versions. And I know that if I was to uh, work on one of those projects, then I would like to uh, update those to be more of a um, more of a up to date uh, thing, right? It's just the way it is. It's just the way way um, it is. I mean, we we have we've comp we've altered the way programming works to be components, plug in plug inable components, and they all have different versions that we need to maintain support. Now, one uh, program. I mean, I, I learned Java. I learned. Um, uh, well, I'm, I'm not going to go into a lot, the whole list of stuff that I learned, but one of the languages that I learned whilst I was at university was a language that hopefully none of you would have to deal with. Um, hopefully none of you will have to use anymore because it's not supported. And if you do use it, then I do hope that you you go to your client or your boss or whoever and just say, you know what, you shouldn't be using this. You should be using something else. Um, and that is ActionScript. I say it's a language. It's kind of an offshot from JavaScript. Uh, it is the way that Flash um, you know, that whole, that animation thing if, for the, for the new people in here, it's all about, you know, it's animating, um, rich media. I remember I had a book on rich media and I learned, um, or I, I was learning action script 
And that was part of my, one of my projects that I had to do at university was create a bunch of computer games using Flash and then sort of listening, creating event listeners and all of that stuff using ActionScript. Basically it was just, it was like Macromedia's spin-off of JavaScript that could um, do a lot of animated stuff. Uh, these days you would do all of that in, in JavaScript anyway, um, and, and CSS and nobody should be using flash, um, anymore. So there I've learned in, in the space of, of, of a few years, a programming language that I will never use anymore. Now that you could see that as a shame and yes, I guess it is a shame, um, but I haven't, that, that's not throwaway knowledge because, um, before that I was, uh, I learned, um, well, one of the first languages I learned was VB6 and then I learned, um, Java, PHP, uh, C and all of that stuff. And each time I was learning those languages, I was bringing what I had learned, the techniques that they used to the other languages. Um, so for example, how one creates arrays, how one, um, stores certain values, how one makes connections to external data sources, how one manipulates things on the screen, that kind of thing. Um, and so when I went from one language to another language, I knew what an array was. I knew what a variable was. I knew how to use control flows and how to work around, um, and then manipulate certain things and change the flow of the application. I knew that. And all I was doing was learning the, the syntactical sugar that the language has. I was able to take with me the, the knowledge of the techniques of the actual, of, of, of building that application. I knew at the end it needed to be deployed. And therefore I knew that, um, you know, it needed to be tested. It, it needed to go through some sort of user agreed testament testing. I knew it needed to be documented. So I knew the, the, the start, the middle and the end, if it were. Um, so I, I kind of like, I, I kind I kind of miss action script in its all, in its weird, weird way. Um, I wouldn't mind just doing something just to, just to sort of, uh, see if I can remember the, the craziness of the syntax. Um, but I was able to take with me all of those things and, um, it just makes you more of a well-rounded developer because you, you, you start to learn the nuances of the different languages. Um, you start to learn and have an, a better appreciation for the way the languages do different things. But, um, the thing is that you can, you can worry so much about the tooling and the tooling could go away. Uh, like action script went away. That is the tool that I was using. Um, but without having that knowledge and understanding of object orientation, um, and, and having that appreciation for how one needs to architect systems. So in, in my classes, what I did was I actually created class diagrams. Um, and those class diagrams were the, just the techniques of me architecting these, these classes that I was building an action script. Uh, but you could take that and, and use that class diagram in any programming language that was object orientated. Um, because you were, you were using a technique uh, of, of creating classes, 
and structuring your system in a way that is object orientated. You're not concerning yourself with what it is that you're actually programming in. Um, and, you know, I have also used things like NetBeans. I've used uh, Eclipse. I've used um, Sublime. I've, I'm, I'm a PHP Storm developer. So I, I, or I'm not a developer of PHP Storm. I use PHP Storm as my main development thing at the moment. Um, but I've never been sort of brand loyal. I've never hooked onto one particular IDE, nor have I hooked against one kind of source control thing. Because, um, you know, as a, as a freelancer, it's very difficult to, 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 um, say, this is all I'm going to be using from now on out. I certainly don't want to be typecast and I certainly don't want to be turning down work just because they're using a tool that I'm not happy with. Um, because I think that one has to adapt to the client's needs. Um, but, but you can, you can, uh, once you start decoupling what the techniques are, between the tools, then you can, you can actually start, um, sort of boiling it down, content, condensing what it is you're doing down. Um, I built, for example, the other week, um, the secret Santa that I was using for, uh, the, my, my family. Um, basically it was just an array of, well, it was, it was a list of, of people's names and it, it shuffled them and, 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 and sent out the emails. I could have used any kind of tooling, I wanted that I, I, that I know of to do that. Uh, I chose Python and I think next year I'm going to do, do um, perhaps Ruby or C. Um, but the technique of creating a list of names, looping through those names and then um, doing the uh, array pop to get the, get the name off and remove it from the array. That is a technique of reducing an array in a loop in a while loop that I can take with me to the various different programming languages that I'm aware of. Um, and that piece of knowledge is something that is more important, I feel, than actually understanding that you need to have a, a, a semicolon at the end of such and such, otherwise it's going to break in JavaScript. Or, you know, closures can't be serialized. That kind of stuff. You know, the... the People fill themselves up with all of the tools because you can actually put brands to tools. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a JetBrains guy. I'm a you know I'm a NetBeans guy. I'm I'm a JavaScript guy. But in actual fact, we're programmers and we are doing awful lots of techniques that are similar and can be used in many different programming uh, languages and different styles. So, um, Gregor. Novak has said, uh, "At which point, um, at which point in a programmer's career do you think books like Code Clean, Clean Architecture are beneficial?" That is a very good question because um, one, when when you are starting out as a developer, you 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 end up being bombarded with so many different things. Um, you know, when you're coming at this cold, there are so many different bits and pieces and you end up you end up being falling down a massive rabbit hole um and it's you learn something but then you have to learn something else and then you have to learn something else and in, you'll never ever get to a point where you know everything in programming ever so in terms of when do you think um you should be getting books and learning these kind of things 
I would say that you need to feel comfortable in the syntax and you need to be comfortable in failing because that is something that we do all the time. We should consider failure as actually moving forward because once we fail, as in there is a bug, you need to fix it. And so by fixing it, you become better because you start learning where various bits bits are. Uh, like for example, where the log files are, where what this error code means, all of that kind of stuff, which just becomes muscle memory. So I think that one needs to have a level of that and then consider, right, now I know how to actually create a program. Now I need to actually go back over my code and see if I can make it 10 times better by putting in these principles. The thing is, that once you start, um, I mean, it's, 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 it's what I call the stack overflow problem. Um, because if you ask a question on stack overflow, normally, you know, you'll get a great answer, but they will mention something in the comments or, 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 or something, something that one wasn't aware of. And so one Googles that, um, and then goes down another rabbit hole and, You'll never get out of that rabbit hole because you'll you'll always be um, curious. As a programmer, one needs to be curious and one needs to continue their learning journey. But it's knowing when to come out of that and, and go, you know what? I don't actually need to know that right now. Um, so... At the moment, as a as a as a as a developer who is um, new to the new to the game, you are in control as to what you know and what you don't know. Um, you don't know anything um, until you start knowing stuff. But you need to have um, you need to have a list, I think, of all the things that you would like to know, and then you add stuff to the bottom of that list when you start knowing things, because knowing things is going to drive you to to want to know more because people will be suggesting various bits and pieces. Like for example, I, I used several buzzwords today, um, solid principles, clean coding, um, different types of pipelines, all of that kind of jazz. And people might be thinking, oh my God, I need to learn all of these, this stuff right away. Well, if they've only been programming for a week, then no, they don't need to know that. They need to know how to build an application first. And one thing I will say is that I didn't appreciate clean coding for a very long time. My code was horrible. Um, it worked, and and that is the point. When you when you are a programmer, you often do things, and um, you know when they work, you 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 often because of time constraints, you kind of just work on something else. The next feature that comes along. We as programmers need to appreciate that what we've done last week or last month or last year is never going to be um, uh, perfect because the, 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 the techniques or the, 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 the versions of things might change or the, the, it could be an inefficient loop that you've created and now suddenly the client has thousands and thousands of, of requests that you have to handle. So there's always that sort of um, looking back at your own work and, and refining it. It's kind of like an art. It's a craft, you know, it's, it's, it's never, it's never a finished piece of work in my, in my opinion. 
Um, so Sabor is asking about uh, sign-up codes. Um, sir, can you recommend any book for me about sign-up codes? I want to use user sign-up on mobile uh, with no password. Um, well, the no password bit is a little bit um, bit a bit odd because you you need to have um, a level of of, of uh, user password. One thing um, one thing you could do is you could you could do it through um, through like an email thing. So you could have uh, a sign up where they put in their email address and then the API or whatever the backend system that you're using could. Um, send a, a a link to the email address um, with an expiry on that link. So maybe it's a twenty four hour link um, with a with a, a unique code, and then um, they uh, when they click on that, uh, they get asked to put in that unique code. Um, and also, once that's verified and their email address has been verified, you can then create a password on that. Um, but the the reason why lots of people don't log out or or log into things like facebook on on mobiles is because the sessions are so long on on those kind of things the cookies are so long on the on on all of that on the web um uh, which is which is why uh, and and they had a they had an issue recently i believe where they had they 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 had a bug and so what they needed to do is is remotely log everybody out or a large portion of people out um and invalidate the 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 sessions that that people were in. So whenever they did a page refresh, I th- although I think it was actually on just on the mobile phones. So whenever they did stuff, it would come up and lock them out. One thing I use a lot is um, OAuth, and with OAuth you can create well, OAuth two. You can create a series of clients, uh, associate a a access token to those clients, and um, if you wanted to. You could go into the back end and remove an access code, which means that the 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 user's requests will no longer be um, valid. What happens is that the 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 API has a uh, a token, a bearer token that comes in through the the headers, and that is being checked to make sure that that is a verified user. So what you do is you you expire or you remove that access token and therefore the request is always invalid until they they sign up again the way to get around um access co- access tokens though that do run out um because they should have a timer on it um is that you give them a refresh token and that refresh token allows them to put in that token as the access token to get another token back um, so it's kind of like a hop, skip, and a jump if you if you think of it like that. Um, so you you kind of say this is your access token, and you have say I don't know three hours to to or two hours on this access token. But here is your refresh token for you to then request another access token, um, and that way you it's 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 a complete seamless kind of thing. Um, and yes, there is a, a level of security uh, issue with that because, you know, you've, you're passing not only the access, the current access, but you're also passing in the, the, the future access. But what you can do through the back end is, is just 
analyze and look at all of the access tokens that are coming through. And if you spot any suspicious activity, then you just cull, cull the access uh, from that. I'm going to just turn on the light because it's getting a little bit dark. Uh, that's oh. slightly better, I think. Sorry about that. <laughs> Security is is um, is is an interesting thing when talking about tools and techniques because there are different techniques to secure an application, and um, the tools that we use today are certainly not going to be the same tools that we use um, in in say five years time, simply because the 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 hardware. Um, there's always this race between the hardware. The hardware is getting quicker and faster to break encryption. And so you're, you're constantly um, f sort of fighting against that. So what we use today is certainly not going to be what we're going to be using, say, in five years' time. One has to accept that. However, the techniques of securing a system, having um, a, a username and a password, having a, an expiry date, uh, sorry, a link with an expire on it. That is a technique of giving the user um, a, a, a unique URL that they can access to create themselves an account. Um, that technique has been tried and, tr and trusted for a very long time. The tooling of actually generating that unique URL might change. The technique of... Um, sending that URL, it could be that, that email dies. So we send that link somewhere else to another tool. Um, the, the, the technique of comparing an email address on a register form, because that is the unique identifier. The technique of, um, of forgetting a password um, and, and, and then going through a series of of secret questions, you know, that one has to answer in order to get that back. Um, those things, those checks, those, those techniques to make sure that the person who has that link is the right person. Um, those techniques will, um, they won't, they, they'll change, they'll improve and we'll probably end up having to do more stuff. Uh, but it will be a less infrequent change to the toolings that we use to generate that stuff. Same with the, like, for example, Bcrypt. I know it now has a, uh, it has a cost to that, that you can create, a, you can add a cost factor in and a length that changes the size and the scale of the actual encrypted, um, encrypted hash. But it might not. It it might be that something comes out. Another tool comes out that makes that bcrypt um, insecure, and therefore we need to come up with something completely different. But the actual idea of hashing a a uh, a clear text password is something that has been used. That technique has been used and and used for many many years. Um, so that's basically it. That's that's kind of my little spiel on learning tools versus techniques and how one should be more concerned with the technique and less concerned with the tools that they use. 
um, and be more concerned with how the tool is going to make that that technique that they've chosen to be the best and more most efficient. Um, I should say that I have been um, I have been in touch, or I have um, there has been there has been some work in the background with the howtocodewell.net website. Um, something that I do talk about uh, um, on these live streams. Uh, I have created um, different pages uh, to do with the live stream. So do check that out. I've also updated the way the blog works as well. So do check that out too. Um, and also um, I have been in touch with um, some companies who are, who are interested in this channel and they would like to provide different discounts to various uh, things. Uh, one being A-Press. A-Press got in touch with me um, uh, this week, earlier this week, and and said that they have a Halloween sale on, uh, on all of their books, and it's a 40% off. So it, the, at the moment, there's like lots of Java books and lots of database books that are available. Um, I did say all of their books. I think it is all of their books, um, but where I, when I had a look down the link, it was just the Java and the, 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 the database books, but do check that out. They'll probably add to that because in their email, they did say all books. Um, so do check that out. I'll put a link. I put the links down in the show notes, but I'll put, just put these down in the, uh, in the descriptions. Um, I should say that these are, uh, affiliate links, so they will, um, help me out too, which is, which is, um, which is nice. Um, and the next one is, I mentioned SSL certificates. I have uh, 40, I have got a 49% off SSL certificates by a company called Namecheap. Now I've used Namecheap before uh, several times um, for things like um, uh, various domains for various clients and um, various uh, other services like DNS and stuff. So if you're interested in that, do check that out. Put that in the links below too. Um, and also links to the courses down below. Uh, one particular course that uh, I have recently just finished is the Python Control Structures course. Um, that course has uh, nine tutorials which teach you how to, um, how to use control flows to manipulate and manage your program. Um, and what I've been doing, as I mentioned in the previous streams, is um, I'll just put this in the link below, is um, I've been creating full courses. So a single video full of all of the um, the all of the all of the tutorials with time coded links so you can jump between which tutorial. So we're covering a lot of things with Python if statements, uh, Python while loops, for loops, um, how to loop over things like lists and dictionaries and so on and so forth. So do check that out if if you're learning Python. But look, the light is starting to uh, get really dismal here, and uh, I'm going to shoot off because I'm going to actually go out for a run tonight. Um, hopefully if it doesn't get too dark. But anyway, thank you ever so much for watching, guys. Happy coding. I'll see you again next time. Cheers. Bye.